Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times in Walnut Creek, California. And I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend for 25 years or so now is Bruce Aldrich, the co-host of the podcast. We're in our fifth year. And today, I think we're covering an area that we haven't really covered much of uh, during our 250 or so episodes, and it's the world of NASCAR. And our guest today is Jimmy Creed, and Jimmy is one of four authors of a new coffee table-sized book uh, celebrating the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. And Jimmy, uh, I, I like Jimmy even though I don't know him because he's a newspaper guy like I was for many years. And we want to welcome uh, Jimmy Creed to our program to talk about the new book, which will be published on April 11th. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Terrific. Um, Jimmy, I, I think I'd like to start, if you don't mind, about um, there's four orth- four authors of this book. And um, I, I don't know how any author writing a book by himself, and you've, you've written books, um, tackles a book by himself, but with four authors and 75 years of covering a sport. Can you just start us off with how this whole process came to, came to be? Well, um, the, the publishing uh, group, Quattro Publishing, uh, reached out to, uh, first, the, the first gentleman they reached out to was Mike Embry, who is one of the, um, uh, uh, one of the, the foremost um, beat writers, if you want to call him that, still out covering the NASCAR beat. Uh, he, he works for uh, NASCAR.com and, you know, all, uh, all things related to the NASCAR broadcast on NBC, um, and he, uh, and then they also reached out to Al Pierce, who would probably be considered the godfather of uh, NASCAR uh, 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 beat writers. I, I believe Al's been covering it. I think he started in like 1967, uh, and has been covering it in, in some shape, form, or fashion uh, since then. Kelly Crandall is a, a, a lady that's uh, she's also still on the NASCAR beat now. Uh, I'm very much in touch with the um, you know with what's been going on in the last um, decade or so. And then, as you said, I was an old newspaper man. I've been out of town for a while. I actually wrote a book about Donnie Allison, uh, the old uh, Alabama gang driver. Ended up being his uh, PR person. And uh, so they, they reached out and lined up you know, four people, um, well, at least three of whom were, I think, were very qualified, and then I was lucky enough to, to join the four. And then after that, it was just, it was a process. Um, I know I can only just speak for myself, but literally, um, I just sat down and took a, a yellow legal pad and started making bullet points. Uh, for everything that I felt like should be in the chapter that I was working on, which was the 1980s. Yes. And I I made a bullet point of everything that I felt like should be absolutely positively had to be in that chapter. And then I still had to cut it down to, you know, because there was just too much. Yes. Um, and so you just, you really just tried to, uh, you really, uh, uh, what you had to do was just try to hit the highlights as best you could, but it, it was a, um, 
it, it's a it's a daunting task to try to wrap up seventy five years of history, especially the the, the storage uh, history that NASCAR has. Uh, it was a daunting task, but I, I feel like we did a really good job of it, and and it's a it's a book that I'm really proud of. Well, I think you did a great job, Jimmy. Um, not only you and whoever your uh, the publicist or whoever puts it all together all gets you four guys or lady and three people get them together and it, it's a good product because a lot of it uh, the pictures are amazing now how did you get access to those well uh, one of the the um, advantages of being the official uh, officially recognized 75th anniversary of NASCAR is uh, we got uh, access to uh, NASCAR's archives, our ISC uh, racing archives in Daytona, and we, so we pulled a lot of pictures from there. And then also um, there were uh, some freelancers that the publishing company reached out to, um, and I, I was actually very fortunate to be involved in that process as well, pulling together a lot of the pictures and then. I, I, I drew the assignment of writing the, the captions for the pictures as well. And so I was, um, I knew how many pictures I had pulled and and how many captions I had written. And I was like, man, that's going to be, that's an awful lot of pictures. But boy, when you, when you see it put together, it really does, the, the pictures really do help, help tell the story, which in a lot of ways I think is probably, the objective of a coffee table book. Yes, I think you're right. The captions were great, too. You could, To me, the captions were like the cliff notes of the book. You could read it or you could zip through it, examine the photographs, and read the underlying text that apparently you did. And uh, So you could do it quickly or you could read the whole book. I read the whole book. It was great. Well, and, you know, that was... I'm glad to hear you say that uh, because... That was one of the things that I made a conscious effort on when I was trying to, uh, when I was working on the caption writing process was I, I didn't want the captions to be just a, you know, just a regurgitation of what was in the picture. Because, I mean, you can look at the picture and kind of tell what's going on. I, I really made a conscious effort to try to help have the captions with the pictures kind of give some context as well. So to hear you say that, that, that you, you thought that that might that that was, might be the case. So I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. It reminds me of uh, uh, old newspaper days too, and I, I feel like we're some sort of kindred spirit because that was one of the things that an editor. I wasn't really an inside guy. I didn't do layout or pagination as it is now, but we were always told that yeah, the picture speaks for itself. But give us something if you're going to write a caption. Give us something that helps the picture, that complements the picture, not just says you know, a baseball game held in San Francisco yesterday. You have to add more to it, and, and Bruce is absolutely right. The, it's Your captions are written by a guy who, if you don't mind me saying it this way, who knows what he's doing. You, you're, you're a newspaper guy, and you know the industry, and, and that sh- obviously shows um, in, in your work. I'm wondering also, in, in journalistically, uh, you and I both know that sometimes um, things come a little bit easier than other times, if, especially on deadline. But when you have time to think about what you're writing about and you know the subject, I bet you it just poured out of you with all your, your knowledge and your history in the sport. Was was it a um, 
cathartic experience on some level? Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was, um, to be honest with you, I, I, like I said, I had the chapter of the 1980s Yes, and it, it was really, it was really interesting. Um, and it just, and it kind of goes to show that you can't go into anything with a, with a preconceived notion because when I first got this assignment and I sat down and started thinking about it, um, I knew that we were going to, I was going to have to talk about the, the evolution of the cars because the 1980s were the decades where they kind of went from the, started the process of going from the cars that you could, um, the old saying, they'd raced them on Sunday and sold them in the showroom on Monday. Uh, they kind of started that evolution towards the cars that, that we see now on the track, which, I mean, let's be honest, they're not stock cars. Uh, <laughs> but that, that evolution kind of started in the 80s. And then I knew the 80s were synonymous with the restrictor plate, which is, uh, you know, a huge um, force in the, in the sport now and has been since 1987. But I also went in thinking that I was in the 80s, I was going to be writing a lot about Dale Earnhardt and, and his emergence. And, and I did touch on that, but the thing about it that, that I found in researching this that surprised even me was that Daryl Walshup just dominated the 1980s in NASCAR. In fact, he won more races in that decade than in any other NASCAR driver in any decade, not named either Petty or Pearson. <laughs> uh, he won, and I, I, I don't have the figure right in front of me. I want to say he won 57 races. You could look it up there. I know it's in my chapter. But, you know, Petty, he dominated the 60s. Uh, Pearson won a lot of races in the 60s as well. But the, the person right behind them, in on that uh, list is is Daryl Waltrip, and and I, I didn't really appreciate that until I started getting in and, and really researching for this chapter. I noticed that too when I read it. it. Was I'm thinking I didn't know he was that great a driver. I mean, he's quite a personality. He's been on the you know the commentator, and I knew he won races, but I, I didn't know he was such a standout until I I saw it in your book. Yeah, it, it. I will admit, as much as I've as much as I've covered NASCAR over the years, that that surprised me as well because I knew I knew Daryl had won a lot of races, but I, I didn't know that he was he was that that dominant in his time. But you know, he certainly deserves his due for for being a, a you know a, a, a big winner on the NASCAR circuit. Let's uh, let's stay with the '80s since. Uh that's your your uh topic here can you t tell us about the speeds um i'm seeing uh 200 over 200 miles an hour benny parsons did a lap 212 for bill, yep. bill elliott top uh pole qualifier i think those were both of those were at uh, the alabama talladega speedway right talladega super speedway yeah in fact i can give you this is a little bit of a personal anecdote here but it's always fun um I, I, as I was telling you before we came on, I, I was born and raised in Talladega. I actually still live in Talladega now, about 10 miles from the racetrack. Um, and so one of the things when I was in high school growing up in the, uh, in the early 80s and, and, and mid-80s was um, spring break always used to fall on race week at Talladega. So it, and, and at that time, before restricted plates, 
They qualified on Thursday, and it was always a big deal. There would be huge crowds that qualified at Talladega because there was always a chance that there was going to be a new speed record established. And so I, I have I have one of my most vivid memories of NASCAR from my childhood was actually being at the track at Talladega in July of '87, and Bill Elliott set the um, all-time uh, qualifying speed record of 212.809 uh, miles per hour. And it's a record now that will never be broken because NASCAR is never again going to take the restrictor plates off and let uh, let those guys go flat out like they were doing. And that, that actually uh, coincidentally happened to be the race uh, where Bobby Allison uh, flipped up, tire, flipped up in the air, took out a huge chunk of the uh, catch fence at Talladega, looked like it was going to be a potential major catastrophe for the sport. And after that race, NASCAR instituted the restrictor plates, and they've been in in some form or fashion ever since then. But, yeah, Talladega was the, uh, was the epicenter of that. Um, Benny Parsons was uh, the first uh, driver to, to uh, record a 200-mile-an-hour qualifying speed to win a pole and then of course not too long after that they had the uh, first all 200 mile an hour field for 43 cars and then not long after that uh, 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 excuse me Elliot set that record that will never be broken so that that was an incredible time to be going to races that um, it was called the Alabama International Motor Speedway then it's Talladega Super Speedway but it was an incredible time to be going to races at that track. I can only imagine that whatever, when you're a young person and whatever sport you're involved with, you remember. I mean, I was a baseball guy, so it was you know coming through with Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and Stan Musial. Oh, and, and, and if you were a race car guy, the guys you just um, described, uh, it you never forget those experiences. Maybe you did it with a, a older brother or a father or an uncle or friends. That just stays with us for, you know, as long as we're here. Yeah, and, and I was very, I was actually very fortunate. James, you start talking about being an old newspaper uh, man. I, I was very fortunate enough to get my start here in, in the sports writing profession at, at the newspaper here in Talladega. So, I actually wrote my first stories about um, NASCAR and Talladega when I was 18 years old, and I'm, I turned 58 this year, so I, I've been at it for a while. Yeah, that's good for you for 40 Started years. Started at 18. Wow. Woohoo! That's great. Um, as the layperson of the three of us here, Bruce knows uh, about the sport, and obviously you're an expert, and I'm not. Um, Maybe unfair, but I'll throw it out there anyway. What is the appeal of NASCAR? What is it the uh, the visibility of the athletes, their personalities, the speed, the cars? Is it is it um, one and one and one equals ten? What is the overall appeal? Do you think of NASCAR, which may be the most popular, um, certainly the most popular uh, style of racing, and it may be the most popular sport in the United States for all I know? What is the appeal? Well, I, 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 let me tell you, I'll say this. The first thing that, that I think a lot of people would think to answer that question, James, is one that I, I have never believed. I don't think NASCAR fans 
flock to NASCAR because they want to see people wrecked. I think that's a huge misconception. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I hate to see the big one at Talladega because it takes out so many cars and it costs so much money. And, you know, and, and, and I mean, anytime you have a big wreck like that at 200 miles an hour, you're, it, it puts people in danger. So I don't like to see those wrecks and I don't think that people, um, really true NASCAR fans don't go to the races for that. I think they go to the races for the, uh, you know, for uh, the speed, uh, and, and, and over the years, there's been so many personalities, uh, Richard Petty, you know, he was just a personality from the standpoint of, uh, you know, he was just a cool dude who went, who won a lot. Uh, then you had Dale Earnhardt that came along. Uh, you know, the, Dale really, I think, probably epitomized the, the most of NASCAR fans. Tough, gritty, uh, no nonsense. Uh, didn't didn't take crap off of anybody, but certainly liked to give it out. Uh, and some people would tell you he didn't take it as well as he dished it out. Uh, if you remember back to he and Terry Labonte had a couple of very publicized run-ins at Bristol where Dale, um, Dale dumped Terry and, and then just said he was trying to rattle his cage and actually got booed a couple of times, which was amazing for his career. But I, I really think that it's, you know, uh, it, one of the things that I always try to do when I go to a race at Talladega is the, pit, the press box is situated so that you can just kind of walk down into the stand from the press box. Yes. And I always try to go down and watch the first two or three laps of the race just standing right there in the stand. And you can just feel the, the, um, the uh, cars and the excitement as they build up. And, and I think that that, excitement and seeing all those multicolored cars and doing something. I mean, you and I, all of us, we can go out. I mean, we're never going to play in the NFL, but we can go out and toss a football around. We can go out and shoot baskets at a basketball goal. We can, we can throw a baseball, but no, I mean, none of us are ever going to get out there and run a race car at 200 miles an hour. No. And, and I think that really, the, the aspect of seeing guys and ladies uh, living on the edge and the sport's very colorful and there is a lot of personalities. I, I think that's the appeal of NASCAR. Yep, that's a lot. Uh, I, I agree. Certainly the the uh, personalities, that's a huge part of it. That's why NASCAR is so popular over some of the other uh, racing uh, types because they really exploit the, the personalities. Uh, yeah, they they do, and and I think you know I think that um, in in some ways um, the 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 older guys I mean it's amazing as I, as I mentioned earlier I, I do some I do some PR work with Donnie Allison and you know and I so I'm around Donnie a lot I'm around Bobby Allison a lot I'm around Red Farmer um, you know a, a lot of the um, older drivers I see from time to time. And it's really just like royalty. When they show up at somewhere, at some kind of event or a racetrack or something like that, I mean, it's kind of just like, um, you know, when they come in the room, it's kind of like the Red Sea Parks. And, and that kind of tells you the impact that, that their personalities have 
have on the sport and, and the people who are fans of it. Sure. You mentioned uh, drivers living on the edge, and there's been quite a few through the years, um, drivers killed. And NASCAR, you know, seeks to address those deaths with safety. Can you maybe touch on a few points of, of safety through the years, like the different types of cars and the, uh, oh, the safety, the new barriers and that type of thing? Hit some bullet points there in safety? Oh, yeah. I, I you, you hit on um, you hit on a couple right there uh, really quick that I would mention uh, the safe, safer barriers and safer technology uh, that was developed by Dr. Dean Sicking and I think is in is in place now uh, in in all of the NASCAR tracks that they run. I, I believe that's the case. Huge, huge um, uh, advancement in safety and in. in, in Probably has saved uh, more more lives than we'll ever know. Uh, it, it, but just because figuring a way to to dissipate that force uh, when a car hits the wall um, is uh, it, it was it was extraordinary. Uh, the Hans device and all the head and neck restraints. Uh, that if you if you look at a car now, if you see a picture on Sunday of a driver in a car. Um, I mean, they look like they're strapped in there because they're about to blast off in a rocket to go to the moon. Uh, but, you know, the, what we've learned over the years is that uh, it's best that the, the more that you can limit the, the, um, the mo- movement that a driver has in a car during an accident, uh, the more it improves their chances uh, and the safer it is. And so, you know, they, they have... Um, They've they've created cushions for their uh, I guess you call it cushions or padding special padding for their um, for their heads that that keep their you know uh, keep their heads uh, from from bouncing around if a car does have a wreck uh, all kinds of things that NASCAR has put in like the um, if you watching a race and a car goes along and all of a sudden you see a little flap open on the roof. Well, that's put there by NASCAR to try to keep, if that car is involved in an accident, is to try to keep it from flipping up and, and flipping over and getting turned upside down. And, you know, that's just a few of the things. I mean, we could spend a whole half an hour talking about those, but, but NASCAR really, really is concerned about driver safety, and it's come a long way. Yep, I, those are good points. What do you think about the new uh, car uh, what do they call it? The next gen car. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's great. Updating them a little I, bit. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have really enjoyed. I thought the racing uh, the last year and this year has has been very good, and a lot of that can be contributed to the new car. Um, we we went through a, um, a period a few years back where kind of took. I thought. NASCAR, the action kind of took a dip, and the racing on the track was was not as as good as it could be. Uh, but I, I think they've really hit on a, on a combination that, that's working now, and I, I've I've really um, I, I've really enjoyed seeing the the racing the uh, the past two the past the well last season and this season. I, I think it's um. Uh, it, it's as good as it's been in, in a good while. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I, I just like the cars look good too. They look sort of like a, 
like a Camaro or a you know a, a Ford looks now. So they 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 look a little better and uh, you know independent rear suspension, sequential shifting, center lock hubs, aluminum wheels instead of steel. I mean that's all <laughs> modernization. Racking. Yep. Rack and pinion steering, those kind of things. Yeah, it, I mean, and and I, this is this one thing I would say is that people have to realize, um, this this sport is, it, you know, it, it traces its roots to the fact that, you know, NASCAR is not here to have the uh, the auto manufacturers conform to what NASCAR wants to put on the track. Racing in general, and NASCAR in particular. You know, the backbone of it was what are the manufacturers want to put on the track because that's what people, they, they want people to see in their cars. And so the more stuff that, that you can see on the track, um, that it, that's also a feature in your everyday family car, um, then that, yeah, the, the sport, um, NASCAR, the sport of NASCAR, and the manufacturers, they're, they're accomplishing what they want to accomplish the more of those type of features that they can put on the cars on the track. Sure. Jimmy, when do you think they're going to go electric? When is there going to be an electric division? Oh, uh, I, I, I kind of had a feeling you were going to... I, I, I would hope that I would, the old, old, old-timer in me would say, I hope that we never see that. But I, I would say that it's coming, and it's probably coming sooner than later. My guess would be that you would probably, I would say realistically, probably within five years. Wow, that's very that's quick. A, that's a good guess. Um, yeah, it gets back to that excitement deal, and part of the excitement is the, the noise and that good sound of a V8 running at full, yes. full chirp. And uh, <laughs> the electric, not so much. Now, maybe on TV... Maybe the the it would be similar, but in real life, no. It would be, be a big difference. Well, you know, I told you earlier that I grew up about ten miles from the trunk. Yeah. And I, I one of one of the things I remember as a kid was because I, I didn't go to every race as a kid, but on Sundays when they were having a race, I remember being an old kid sitting out on my front porch, and when the first race. When the race would first get started, and they still had the, they had all the cars in the field, and they would get up and moving. I could actually hear the sounds of the cars from my house about uh, ten miles away. That's so that, great. That tells you what you got, what you're talking about about how the sound of the engine is such a part of the the racing experience. That tells you that that you're exactly right. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh... In California here, not too far away, a couple hundred miles away, we have uh, Laguna Seca. And over the years, not a lot, but uh, sometimes I've had good fortune of covering different kinds of motor racing, uh, motorcycles and IndyCar races. And um, a few years ago, I got to go back uh, for the first time in a year, uh, years, and I met some of the young drivers. Uh, and I was just completely impressed by their poise and their maturity and you know, these guys are in their early 20s, and I was just taken aback by how grown up they are. And I'd, I'd like to know if um, the riders, when you came through, um, when you were younger and now, can you compare some of those guys who are the veteran riders and what they were like when they were kids? And, and what are the young kids like these days? 
Well, um, you know, it was a, um, it, it definitely was an older, um, an, uh, we'll say an older man sport because it was predominantly men, except for, you know, Janet Guthrie and a few, a few ladies there that tried it, but it was predominantly an older man sport. You know, you, you think back, you have, you have Harry Gant, who was one of the, um, one of the, the greats of the sport, and he didn't even break into, um, into Winston Cup, as it was called at that time, he didn't even he was he was a thirty-something-year-old rookie, which would never happen today. Yes, I mean you have you have um, kids, you know, they're kids starting now in go karts and in the you know before they're ten years old. You got guys that are in, in legends and bombardero cars. They call them at, you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. And, and you got you got guys that are on trucks and NASCAR and uh, excuse me um, the Xfinity series and and the and the Cup series you know 18 19 years old um, it, it, it's been an amazing trans, uh, transformation but these guys are also I mean they're starting it so much so much younger that I mean they really just they they got they grow up preparing themselves for. Uh, a career in NASCAR, and um, I felt like there for a while that um, there was a little bit of a, a void in person in personalities. Uh, but I, I st- you're starting to see some of these um, guys come through now. I don't know how people out there feel about him, but I love Ross Chastain. Uh, I know that there are some guys that on the on the circuit that don't like him, particularly Denny Hamlin. But hey. NASCAR needs a good rivalry, and that that's one of it. So I, I like the, the younger guys; they're incredibly talented, and, and I like the fact that you're starting to see some of them um, not not come out looking so corporate and everything, and start to feel. I feel like a little bit more of their personalities uh, come come to the forefront as they as they get more experience and they get more comfortable in being in the Cup Series, and and, and I. I, I think that's great, and hey, we got it. We got to accept it because that—that's—that's that's the way it is. I mean, you look, Joe Gibbs has got his grandson at, at 19 years old in a car, and he's a serious threat. So that that trend is is not going away. So we've got to we've got to just um, uh, look at these young guys and and applaud them for being such good race car drivers at such early ages. Well, this is kind of Kyle Larson country out here. We're real close to uh, Elk Grove, where Kyle Larson's from. One, hey, I'm going to tell you what, Kyle, for, for my money, Kyle Larson may be the best driver out there right now. I mean, there's some really talented young young drivers on the cup circuit. But I, 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 if you, if you uh, put me, you know, you help me to saying, okay, who's the best? Uh, if you tell me you're going to give me a thousand dollars to tell you who the best driver is right now, I'd say Kyle Larson. That's great. Yeah, that I guess that brings up another question. How do you think it is? I think a few years ago it was Kyle Busch. I mean, hands down, he was the best driver out there. Is he not as good, right. or is other guys just better, or what? <laughs> Any idea on that? Um, I well, you know, um, I think that that the natural process of of Kyle. Uh, getting older, um, and uh, the, I mean, 
he still on any given day can be can be the best out there. Uh, but I, I, I do think that um, you know, just from the general standpoint of as you get older, you know, your your reflexes start to go a little bit and um, I, I, I think that, um, you know, just physically, um, there, there may be more uh, that's required of, of Kyle as he gets older than, than a lot of these younger guys. And, that, again, not, not taking anything away from him. He's a great driver. Uh, but I, I think there's a, there's, a whole bunch of, um, uh, there's a whole bunch of young guys that have kind of been nipping at his heels for a while now. And, and I think there's a few of them out there that, that have passed him, and, and Kyle Larson is is definitely one of those, and and William Byron is the other one that's really emerged this season as a, as a serious contender for the championship. Jimmy, that's probably a a good time. Uh, I'd like to spend the rest of the day talking to you, but um, we've come to the end of the, this episode, and but I wanted to remind people, of course, we have you on as a guest today because you're one of the four authors of. NASCAR 75 years, and uh, it's just a comprehensive. I'm again, I'm a layperson, but I I've learned a lot um, in the last week or so when Steve um, Roth has forwarded a couple of copies of the book, and we're appreciative him uh, forwarding books to us. And we want to thank you today for being our guest and giving us your expertise. And we encourage everybody to to buy this book. Officially, it's available 11 uh, April 11th. But it's been on the internet now for a while, and people are discussing it and reviewing it, and nothing but rave reviews of, of this book. So thank you for the book, and, and thank you for your expertise today on our podcast. We really appreciate it, Jimmy. Hey, I've, I've enjoyed it very much. And uh, again, thank you very much for the, for the great comments about the book. We're, we're certainly, I know I'm uh, particularly, personally, I'm glad that, that you all are enjoying it so much and i know the other authors will as well and i i just appreciate the opportunity to come on and and talk with you about the book and then as you can tell i, I do love to talk racing so i appreciate that opportunity as well all thank, right sir. thank you jimmy that, that was great thank you sir appreciate it very much enjoy the rest of the day